how can we as creative educators and entrepreneurs find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by, and share our vision, all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced. Hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle Podcast. I'm a teacher, a toddler mom, and a serial entrepreneur. I'm answering all your burning questions and giving you simple business tips, mindset shifts, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We're going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. All right, I am here with Megan. She is going to be our Pinterest expert today, and she is going to help us navigate everything we've been wondering about Pinterest, and we have a lot of questions, so I hope that you're ready. Um, Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. Thanks so much for having me, Alyssa. It's funny, actually. I think I'm positioned perfectly to chat with your people because uh, I am currently a Pinterest marketing consultant and expert, but my background is actually as a school psychologist. So I used to work in your classrooms when um, I did that work. And so I'm well-versed with the teaching community. Um, at, but now I actually changed gears and brought my background in psychology to work with online business owners who want to grow their audience and really scale out and get in front of more people. Uh, and so I've been doing that for four, five, well, six years part-time, four years full-time. Wow, that is perfect for us. And I love the psychology spin on it because we know that marketing is really psychology. Right? So that's what's funny is that people sometimes say to me like, oh, Megan, you went to school for so long and you loved working in school psychology. Do you feel like it was wasted in your current work now? And I said, oh my gosh, no. Like if anything, I really think it helps me. And I get really in and obsessed with um, the customer's mindset, where they're at when they're on Pinterest. Because let's be real, we all know that Pinterest is a different beast, right? Like someone once said to me, it's like black magic when it comes to like people do not, (laughs) there's this total thing where like we get how Facebook works. We get what YouTube does. We get what Instagram does. But like Pinterest, what? What? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And to start off, can you just explain like Pinterest 101? It's not social media. Let's be clear. Right? Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. One of the biggest um, shifts that I see people like, you know, we talk about this again and again, and sometimes you just need a really like a clear example of how it's different. So I think this is why I have always loved it. I was an early adopter of Pinterest. So let's back up 10 years ago, I moved to the UK and I could not get a job. I got certified as a school psychologist, but nobody would hire me. So I started blogging. And at that time, Pinterest was brand new. It was by invite only. And I loved it because it allowed me to share, um, store and share my ideas somewhere. So I'm sure like as teachers, you're constantly seeing things that you're like, oh, that would be really cool to use with my kids or, oh, that's a great project for next year. And you're sort of like, you know, storing those ideas away like a scrapbook, right? We used to Mm -hmm. scrapbook. So for me, it helped me uh, save my inspiration. And what's really interesting about Pinterest is it really serves a completely different function than other social platforms. So it does fall underneath the umbrella of social, but it's not 
it's not social in the sense where we use it for engaging with our customers or meeting people and talking to them. But what we are using it for is discovery. So Pinterest is a visual search engine. So it's actually more like Google. So if you think about what even ourselves, like when I go to Google, um, I'm putting in very specific words and search terms to find things. So it's almost like I am more motivated and I'm, I'm more clear on what I want and what I need. And so if you bring that to Pinterest, people are using the platform to discover new ideas, to research uh, solutions to problems that they have. So, you know, think about they're looking for ways to teach in unique ways, to connect, to help children learn in different ways. Um, and really, it's this beautiful platform where people are very receptive to being introduced to new ideas that solve a problem that they have. And so that's why I've always loved Pinterest is that it's not this... Um, and it doesn't need the same type of love that other social does. So you can pretty kind of... I know we're going to get into this later, but set it and forget it. So I'm somebody... Mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love meeting new people. But at the end of the day, I do find it draining. Like I'm, I'm a mom. I own my own business. And so sometimes I just need to not not be on Instagram stories, not be making a reel, not be front facing. You know, I'm in my like comfy jammies. I don't want to be online. And that's when Pinterest takes care of me because it's a visual search engine. It gains momentum. So it actually is like having a traveling salesperson working for you when you're not working. So you can like, you know, we know that you can put something on Pinterest today and it will go viral in one year, two years, and it will keep bringing you traffic and exposure to your business for months and years to come. And I love that. Oh, we are so here for that because, you know, many of my listeners are teaching full time and running this business on the side of teaching and parenting. And so we really need to lean on a platform that doesn't constantly need us and our attention. We really need to get those automated funnels going. But yeah. um, a lot of us have jumped into Pinterest and it's it, we know it has potential, mm -hmm. um, but let's just jump into the scary yeah. stuff. Lately, there's been a lot of talk about Pinterest not working and just not showing us the results and driving the traffic that we feel it used to, to drive sure. back in the day. So can you give us a little idea, like give us some hope? Yeah. So I'll give you some hope. So here's the thing that I find that because it was sort of like the stepsister that always got forgotten in the past, <laughs> you know, like the person who got, didn't get invited or picked up to, from brownies. Um, admittedly, I once got left at brownies. Um, and I kept reassuring the leader that my mom was coming. She was like, had totally forgotten about me. I obviously have never forgotten that incident. Um, but okay, jokes aside. So it is that type of platform that often gets forgotten. And what's, what I have found is that it also, attracts a lot of people. And I'm not even sure if I could say this on your pod podcast, but like half ass it, right? Like right, they, right. like they, like throw it up there. It doesn't, mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I think because a lot of people feel that it's still experimental and they aren't sure if it's for them, they don't put in as much thought 
planning and really come to it with an eye for strategy as they would maybe other platforms. And I don't know why it just attracts a lot of doubters. But once you unlock that magic, it's like, oh my God, I am going to reallocate like 80% of my resources to this platform because it doesn't require me to babysit it. I don't have to be in the DMs all the time. But Mm -hmm. I want to give everybody hope because here's the thing. There are some very simple constructs and strategies that you can adapt and start using that are going to help you get in front of more people. I have to think, I have to say that Pinterest is going through this shift. It's, it's like going through a glow up. It's like really transforming right now and saying, you know what, all those people, you weren't optimizing your content. You were totally putting in like half the effort and we're going to stop showing you we're going to actually, because you're not optimizing your content and you were kind of only putting in 10% effort, we're not going to show you to your people anymore. We are going to prefer people who are optimizing their content, using the platform the way we have designed it, right? And let's let's mm-hmm. have that conversation. No social media platform owes you anything. They Instagram doesn't owe you anything. YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest. And the reality is, is that these are free tools that we use to grow our business. And so as an online business owner, whether it's, you know, a side hustle and something you do outside of your, you know, in classroom work, or if it's somebody who wants to pivot and do it full time. And really, I want to touch upon that, that as teachers, I think sometimes like you are the hero in your classroom. The parents love you. You have an incredible impact um, with the children that you work with, right, in your classroom. Now think about if you could take those skills and strategies that you have and that you are not bound by the walls of your classroom. You are not bound by the building that you work in, but that you could be helping children with special needs across the country, across North America, or even beyond, right? Like think about these, and that's what actually, like as a school psychologist, I used to work with teachers and be like, oh my gosh, this person is doing a amazing things for this child who's struggling to, you know, um, learn to read or even like learn to write their name or even like, you know, very simple things like fine motor skills, uh, visual tracking. And I think like, how can I help bring what they're teaching in their classroom to other classrooms? But it was very like on a macro level in my own school board. And that's what's really cool about online work is that you can have an impact across the world by sharing your unique approaches to teaching particular skills. And I love that, that Pinterest has users all across the world. But what you need to do is to make it easy for them to find your content. And this is where a lot of people have really suffered recently. So if you aren't using keywords, if you aren't weren't optimizing your visuals, like I find um, some people that I've worked with before in my communities, they weren't optimizing their assets or their visuals for their their digital products that they were selling to other teachers or parents. So then the content's not getting shown to as many people. So you're basically hampering your own growth by not optimizing your content for the platform. I think I hear that we need a bit of a mindset shift there, which we we were talking before we recorded that it always comes back to mindset. And I think that a lot of my listeners and a lot of the members in my membership, we struggle with feeling, especially because we think of it as a side hustle, right? So Mm -hmm. we struggle with feeling like we're truly business owners and Mm. Pinterest is counting on us 
they're counting on us to be the creators of the content that they're curating for people who are using Pinterest as a search engine. And so they're counting on us to create quality optimized content. Exactly. If we're not thinking of ourselves as business owners and uh, as the, um, the person who can come and bring forth this great content, then it's not going to match up. So I can totally mm-hmm. see where a mindset shift in understanding that this is a business and you are a content creator and Pinterest is counting on you. Yeah. And well, you're and making that, an impact. And Pinterest will favor you when you feed the machine. And so right. part of that is by, you know, regularly putting out high quality content that's unique. And I think like something to think about is that as teachers, like those skills are very natural to you. And the way that you think about teaching skills and educating, like whether from hands-on experience, but also just the way that you, like your natural inclination and intellect and cognitive abilities is that you, that is natural for you, but it doesn't mean it's natural for other people. So you are actually asking people to pay you for something that you are naturally gifted at. And that is like an exchange. I know sometimes people will be like, well, I feel bad monetizing or making money from education and it's no different than anything else like look at universities right like look at mm-hmm. how we we went to college we went to university and we paid to have access to those professors to tell us how to teach so we as teachers do not need to feel bad that like like now in the role that I'm in and when I was a school psychologist like I loved holding workshops I loved bringing together communities and teaching and having those hands-on workshops and I've just brought that to the online space like I am Mm -hmm. in my element when I'm being bombarded with questions Mm -hmm. and being challenged and thinking on my feet and it's funny because I never thought I was a business would be a business owner like I never wanted to go into private practice I loved working at a public school board I felt that I could have a huge amount of impact Um, Um, And work with, you know, different teachers and and parents and children from all across the world coming to Toronto. Um, And that's where I live and work. And so it's, it's funny, though, like when you think about your online work, what you're doing is you're saying, like, I have these amazing resources, and I want to share them with people. But you know what, I put a lot of heart, my hard work time, and like natural personality and, and intellect into this. And so let you're just exchanging energy, right? Like when you ask somebody to pay you for something, it's just it's feeling like, you know, like when your neighbor grabs your mail for you, I just grabbed an Amazon package for my neighbor, she was away on the weekend. And she instantly was like, Oh, amazing. I brought home a pie from the cottage. We want to drop some off for you. It's like a, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's just like exchanging. You did me a favor. I'm going to give you something. So I feel like I'm thanking you. And that's what money is, I think. Um, So if people ever have that mindset that I'm not, you're not a business owner. And let's be honest, once you start scaling up your your work and making amazing money and you replace your income as a teacher, Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And you know what, coming from the other end, as a teacher looking for resources that I didn't feel like creating or training that I needed, I am happy to pass my money over to you to give me your expertise and make my life easier and more convenient. Take my money, please. Yeah. And I'm the same. (laughs) Like in my my own business now, I love templates. I love seeing Mm -hmm. how other people run things. And so I pay them so I can have access to their framework or their way that they solved a problem that I have. And I might not use it to it's like 100%, but just even 
been seeing it and I'm like, hmm, like last night. So I run challenges. And so I bought somebody's offer on a challenge and they run their challenge in a very different way than I did. And so it was interesting for me to be like, oh, what would I, what do I like from this? Like the way that they teach X skill, would I bring, would that be complementary with the way that I teach? Um, and, and like, I think that that's what teachers are like, right? We all admire each other. We all have our super, like that person we were mentored by or that teacher who we watch on YouTube, who you just like totally like, you know, are starstruck for. And so by having an online platform to share it like Pinterest, you can really open up especially right now. Oh my goodness. Like not only are teachers needing these resources and to get creative with the ways that they teach through virtual learning, but there are now hundreds of thousands of parents who have been thrust Mm -hmm. into a role that they do not want to be in. And they're looking for online resources, right? Like it's harder and harder, especially if you have kids. Like if you're, you know, you're at home and you have kids and you need teaching resources, heck, I'm not going to a shop. I'm not going to go. I would rather go online. I can look at things that are age specific of interest to my son who's, you know, JK age. Um, And I think that's what's so amazing. There's never been a better time to be a teacher who's selling online. Agreed. Agreed. And we, I'm glad to know there is potential in Pinterest, but I think a lot of us get caught in the trap of, we don't have a lot of time. We're spread Mm -hmm. really thin with our marketing. So rather than diving deep into a couple of platforms, Mm. which is kind of what I'm helping my members with, we'll kind of scratch the surface on a bunch of different platforms. And when we scratch the surface on Pinterest, I think what we end up doing is pinning straight to our products. So for the TPT sellers, the digital products, we may pin directly to product. Is that a wise move or should we be pinning to a blog that then leads the customer on a bit of a journey. Wonderful question, Alyssa. So there are, you know, it really depends on your content, but I would say, I always recommend that you actually do both. So Pinterest is the land of like, the really, you can't make mistakes. Like it's the land of imperfection and just taking action is what important. And I know that's very hard for teachers. Again, I feel like I worked with teachers for 10 years. I have a lot of dear friends who are teachers, but you have to let go of the type A. Like, you know, that we leave that for Instagram, we leave that for Facebook or your webinar that you're going to run. But when it comes to Pinterest, imperfect action is better than no action at all. So what I want you to do is to create pins directly to your products. So, but I will say, um, you want to think about if the image on that product landing page is optimized for Pinterest. So I know that some people do this, but others don't. But what I want you to do is as part of your workflow is that once every two weeks, make a batch of fresh Pinterest graphics that will lead to your products. So, and whether there's, you know, we know that there's lots of amazing seasonal content. So if you have an, like right now, I would encourage people, we are in, September, the fall. So we know that Pinterest people are planners, just like teachers, right? You're always thinking two, three months ahead in advance. So right now I'm encouraging people to prepare their holiday content. And then if you're listening to this in the winter, in the winter time, I want you to prepare your spring content. So especially if you have activities or worksheets that revolve around seasons, now evergreen content, that's wonderful all, to, all throughout the year. But Pinterest favors like we see lots of good traffic going to products and service pages, but also we know that it loves 
blog posts, right? Like it is the original playland for bloggers Mm -hmm. and it does prefer, I would say that I think that something like a blog post that gives context has more meat to it and it's going to, it's going to give you better return, but you don't, you don't have to be like a blogging machine, right? And coming out with like a blog post every week. But what I would encourage is that look at batching the same way with your teaching, like, you know, plan out your your content and look at what you made last year. How can you repurpose that? So you can just create new pins. Maybe you're going to create some collage pins. Maybe you're going to create some video pins. We know that Pinterest is absolutely obsessed with video and story pins right now. So they're resulting in a lot of engagement and people getting, you know, expanding their visibility very quickly using these new formats. And like many platforms, when you adopt a new feature, you often get preferred and shown to just like Instagram reels, right? Like anyone Mm -hmm. using reels right now is having amazing growth on, on Instagram. So I would suggest that you really consider what works best for your content. So there are some things that would be better in a blog format, right? That provide that context. But you know, I run traffic right to um, sales pages and product listings. I have lots of clients and we generally do a mixture. And I, we find that that way we're kind of increasing our net. So we're catching everybody. We're catching the people that need more context. And then we're catching the people who are very like driven. They have 10 minutes. Their kids just went to bed. Their favorite show's coming on soon. And they have 10 minutes to look up a new lesson plan. Right. I love that you're hitting both of those. Um, and you mentioned using different types of pins. What makes a good, we know video, but what makes a good kind of like, you call it a scroll stopping pin? Well, okay. So several things, clear images. So, um, and I think like there's several things to be considered. Um, I think that people, because it's a visual search platform, people are using their eyes to make decisions. So I want each of your listeners to really think about how their visuals represent what they're selling. And if it doesn't represent what they're selling, then you need to really think about how you can use text overlay to help fill those gaps. So an example would be is, um, you know, using a beautiful, clear picture of maybe the lesson plan, or maybe you're using a mock-up of the thing that you're selling, or maybe it's, a you know, um, uh, looking down at hands, completing an activity, you know, get creative and think about how your visuals can represent. If your visual, if your product or blog post is hard to represent visually, I want uh, your listeners to really consider how your text overlay can convey the message of what your what your blog post or your product is about. Now, I love to encourage people to um, use two fonts, you know, use two fonts that work together. Be very careful about cursive font because it can be very hard to read. You need to remember that people who are on Pinterest, it's like driving down a busy freeway and you come in, you know, when you come into New York, you come into Chicago and there's all these like these signs, which ones catch your eye? Which ones do you actually read? It's the ones that you can figure out what you're not confused. So what I, it's funny because I have actually, I've done training in, um, 
something called NLP. Uh, and what it talks about is the understanding how the brain works. And when you think about marketing and how our brains process all the messages that we see, that when a user is confused, so if they don't know what they're looking at, they don't understand, they just keep going. So you don't stop them in their scroll. So you need to use very clear language to tell them what it is, what they're going to get, have that call to action, you know, download the worksheet, get access to the worksheet, um, um, you know, save time by head to the blog post to learn. So think about those call to actions to make it really clear. Also think about who your audience is. So if it's parents, if it's teachers, create a pin for each, right? Um, educators, you could, you need to call out who you're, who you want to, to see it because then an educator is going to say, Oh, I'm an educator. And you don't even realize, but their brain stop and read what they're looking at. So clear images, text overlay, be careful with your cursive fonts, have a strong call to action and very, try to make your, your images eye catching. Now, you know, depending on how obsessed with branding and appearance, I encourage people to really use colors that are again, pop. Um, we actually, I recently ran a Pinterest marketing focus summit and somebody, uh, a man by the name of cream little, talked about looking at your pin designs. And if you're really somebody who like is very devoted to making your Pinterest marketing just explode this year, he had this great little tip and I want to share it with your people. So when you create your pins, what he says to do is to go into Pinterest and look up that top search term that that pin is about. So say it's like a, um, a phonics lesson for kindergarten. So search that search term. And when you have those top 20 or top 15 pins that are top ranking for that search term, implant your own image on top of that feed. So just like cut, like take a screenshot and then plop it on there, like cut and paste it, put it in. And does your pin stand out amongst the others? And I love that, right? Because you're, you are your own, like, you might think like, oh, that's beautiful. But you should be able to stand back and say like, oh, it doesn't look different, or it's not eye catching. And spend some time on Pinterest thinking about what catches your eye as a, as a Pinterest user. Like, what do you decide to stop on? Why did you engage with that pin over another one? And so probably it's going to be like the visuals, the text overlay. I love that they used video. It was very engaging. So research needs to be part of our routine. And it's important, like you said, I, I really like this idea of making sure that not only do you think it looks beautiful, but that it's different. And so part of the research could be to figure out what's already out there and how can you stand out. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think like thinking about how to represent your work through visuals. And that can be, that can be tricky, right? Especially if people are, you know, some people who are creative, I always find that like all my friends who are, who are like very visual, like interior designers or graphic designers, like, of course, pins are very easy for them. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like some people who maybe are great writers have a harder time translating their content to a visual. That would be me. So <laughs> then I need some advice too on this big question that we're always getting, which is what is a fresh pin? Mm. Now we know what constitutes a good pin, but what does Pinterest mean when they say they want fresh? Yeah. Pins? So fresh pins are all the rage right now. So I've been actually teaching this for two years and it's that Pinterest, because it's a search engine, it thrives when its user base adds new content. So 
back in the day, we used to be in the pickle of, okay, well, does that mean we have to be constantly coming out with new blog posts and new products and new services that we can pin? And more recently, Pinterest has said, actually, no. But what we do want you to do is to create fresh pins. So the definition is a new image plus a URL. So every image that you create, whether, um, you know, the example would be as if you create two images that go with one blog post or one product page, each is a unique pin. Now, if you pin that a second time, it is no longer a fresh pin. So this, anytime it goes out again. So back in the day we used to engage with, like if you created a hundred pins and you just recycled those hundred pins over and over again, and this is where like the old strategy is really long gone. You used to still get lots of love on those pins. And now Pinterest is saying, no, 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 no. What we want you to do is you need to create new content. You can lead to existing products, existing blog posts, or anything you want, but we want you to create new visual assets to go with it. So a fresh pin is defined by an image and a URL. So once it's been paired together once, then, you know, that's that's the, the first time you pin it, it's fresh. And after that, it's not. So this is where people can really save time that like, two times a month, even once a month, you can go in and batch 45, 50 pins for existing content, existing products, and upload it to Pinterest. And Pinterest is going to prefer you because you're feeding the algorithm new new images and freshening up those visuals. I can totally understand why Pinterest did this because every time I go to Pinterest and search for dinner ideas, there was a time where I was getting the same dinner ideas over and over and I needed to come up with a new search term because I kept seeing the same chicken dinner that I had already had 10 times. So I can see from their perspective why they're focused on fresh pins. They want to give their users some fresh ideas and things to look mm-hmm. at and and just change it up a bit because again you're the content creator so they're leaning on us to keep it keep it fresh and keep it new I get and, that and and that's why they're showing preference for people who engage in those types of systems and strategies because they need us to so right. that's why a lot of people have seen dramatic drops um, you know, off the side of a cliff <laughs> with yeah. their numbers because they weren't engaging in these types of strategies and techniques that help with organic growth. So um, that's why, like, even if I have clients or people that I work with, they're like, oh, like even myself, I, I haven't blogged for five, six months. But what I do do is that once a month, I have my graphic designer create a bundle of new images for all of my existing blog content that is still valuable and up to date. So So anything that's evergreen. And then I always look at like there's certain times of the year where people get, you know, there's things that there's always a spike in January, like there's especially for seasonal stuff. So I encourage my clients now we're we're creating it's the fall and we're creating all of our holiday and Christmas content, the new pins for things that were published last year, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. We're just updating assets. It might be a new image. It might be an image from a different angle. It's new text overlay. Maybe we're going to try different font combinations. Um, And then Pinterest is going to treat it like it's brand new. Oh, such a great plan and a great way to get organized and to just bring back some of the content. You know, when we create blog posts, the great thing about blog posts is that they have a long shelf life. So bringing back the 
that great content that you've already created. It's such a relief to know that you can do that through Pinterest. Yeah, it is. And you know what? That's why I think I love Pinterest is that you can ride on, you know, old, older content that's still really valuable. And it doesn't have to always be about this, like, you know, constant churn of being on like a blogging. And I think that is the one of the misconceptions. Mm -hmm. And it's really also thinking about how your content can work for you. So there's even some like little hacks, like I worked with a, um, web design and web developer team. And what we did is we sometimes struggled. Like, you know, you think of that one way and I would say to them, okay, well, we need some other text overlay ideas for how to share like these really valuable blog posts, like how to make money from blogging. And it's like, that's very generic, right? There's lots of content on Pinterest about that. So what we actually did was we broke down all the headings from their blog post that is a long format blog post has a ton of meat in there. And so we just broke it down, like how to use, um, you know, visual advertising on your blog, how to make money from sponsorships, how to make money from affiliate relationships, how to make money, you know, and we just went through all the different things. And we found that, you know, giving it that fresh title, using those different examples, um, and, and really calling them out in the text overlay was very helpful for widening our reach. Oh, I love that idea. So the next question that I get asked quite a bit is about Tailwind or a scheduler. Mm. Do you believe in schedulers? Do you think yeah. they help hurt? Great idea. Uh, like great question. I mean, um, I think that uh, there is a lot of misconceptions about schedulers. Pinterest has been very clear that as long as a scheduler has API, which is means it's approved technology, it's an approved partner, you can use it. They aren't going to penalize you or get you in trouble. But here's the thing. No social media platform, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, none of them want you to walk away from the native platform 100%. Mm-hmm. So it, it's sort of like sort of like a crock pot, right? That once you put the food in, you can hit go and come back four hours later and your stew is ready, but you still had to p- manually put the ingredients in the crock pot. So I think what I teach in my own membership and the people that I work with is that we try to automate and save time 75 to 80% of the time. But that other 20% we're getting in and actually getting into the app and letting it know that we're using it. So, you know, you don't have to do everything manual. I know there's people who teach that. I don't think, listen, I, like I'm a business owner. I have a team of people who help me run my business. I have a three and a half year old. I have a nine month old mm-hmm. puppy, you know, like I could be inside pinning for myself and my clients all day long manually, but that's not a good use of my time. So right. I think that like automating when you can and you know, my favorite scheduling app is Tailwind. So I'm an approved partner with them in full disclosure that I'm an affiliate partner with them. But I've loved them from day one, because they really do have all the features that make my life easier. But also they've more recently put safeguards in place that if I'm ever by accident engaging in anything that might get me in trouble, it gives gives me a warning and says, oops, you're pinning that too frequently. You're not going to want to do that. Um, so I love Tailwind. I think it just makes our life easier, especially for people who are still working full-time jobs um, and that this is a side hustle or, you know, you're working in the day and coming home and you have a family or you have people, you know, other activities and hobbies, 
sitting on your computer for three hours pinning isn't necessarily, and also it allows you to be in the right places at the right time, which are often the same times that too, that I want to be out going on a hike, visiting my mom, taking my kid to the park, putting my son to bed, right? Like those Mm -hmm. things are what matters to me. And I think, um, apps and approved partners um, that allow you to schedule, make sure you're in the right place at the right time. Yeah. We need to make sure that we are respectful of our own boundaries and that we know what those are and tailwind can mm-hmm. certainly help us do that. But I like the way you said to make sure you're still working in Pinterest itself as well. You've got to know what's going on over there exactly. and they don't want you a hundred percent out of it either. That makes oh, sense. And- and they are making themselves like with the new feature of Pinterest trends, like getting in there, doing your research about keywords, what upcoming, how does your work fit into the trends, looking at engagement. Like there are numbers that are available within Pinterest analytics that are not available via third party, you know, metric catching. So like saves, mm-hmm. how many people looked at your pin, what boards your pins are being saved to. All of this is our valuable, valuable audience insights that help you to see like what content is, is really resonating with your audience, maybe help you consider what new products you might want to create, or maybe a tweak you want to make to an existing product. Um, so really checking out those numbers and letting the data help you make decisions. Oh, yes. I definitely am guilty of not checking in with the analytics as much as I should be. And I like Mm -hmm. that you highlighted some of them for us that we could take a look at. I know something else that uh, people who have been using Pinterest are wondering about is, should they be promoting pins? And how do they know when they're ready to take that next leap? Okay, so... Promoted pins are absolutely wonderful. Like I really love them because once you nail them, they're low cost. I find them easy to set up. So again, as someone in the online marketing space, I find Facebook ads very overwhelming. Um, now it's taken me years, but I I now feel comfortable with them. But promoted pins are wonderful because um, depending on your niche or industry, and especially education, we know is huge on Pinterest. We know your people are on there and it can really help. Any paid advertising will accelerate your growth, but you have to have goals for that growth. And what do you want people to do? So promoted pins are wonderful if you have a proven product or sales funnel for your products. If you aren't sure what you want people to do. If you have, maybe you're trying to grow your email list or you're trying to sell more products. Um, you have to know what, what is already a proven thing. And this actually goes for all paid advertising. Like you shouldn't run Facebook ads to a product unless it's already proved to be like a hot seller. Um, or that you have, and I don't know how foreign this is, but in, in, if you don't have a sales funnel set up to really help convert your audience and have them buy more things from you, you really shouldn't be running paid advertising. You're basically just like, you know, boosting things is just like throwing your money into the wind and watching it float away. Uh So I think that Pinterest is no different. What's really wonderful about Pinterest is it, it's less interruptive. So it's um, embedded advertising. So it's only, you can really only have your ads shown to people who are searching for particular terms. So if people are searching for phonics worksheets, you can have your worksheets shown to them. Um, and I love that. So you can create traffic campaigns or conversion campaigns. Traffic is just straight up people leaving Pinterest to go to your product listing or website. Now, conversion campaigns are that you are paying money to help 
drive and action. And the reality is, is that because the numbers on Pinterest are much smaller, um, it can take longer for you to get conversions from Pinterest. Um, like for instance, uh, when I run my own ads, I sometimes don't see a purchase come in until the third week. And then once it starts making sales, then it starts rolling because it gets smarter and smarter every time a customer takes the desired action. It learns the technology learns how to look for more people like that person. And that's what like your Facebook pixel does, your Pinterest tag. That's what the the name is for the Pinterest version. Your Pinterest tag gets smarter and smarter and learns about, okay, who's who's likely to take action? What's actually interesting is that Pinterest ads or promoted pins are much like your Pinterest efforts in general. It's a longer game. It takes, you have to think that people who are planning today are not typically taking action for two or three months. Mm -hmm. So promoted pins are, you're paying to get in front of more people very quickly, but it's very similar. So we don't see that spontaneous impulsive behavior that we see from Instagram and Facebook. Oh, that makes so much sense. And I can't believe all of the information you dropped today. I was taking <laughs> notes on sticky notes and now I'm like oh, 10, 10 to 15 sticky notes in. So I've got to reorganize my notes and <laughs> I definitely want, I know the listeners are going to want to connect with you and follow up with you. Where can they find you and how can they connect? Yeah. So I have my website, which is meganwilliamson.com. You can also check me out on Pinterest, Megan Williamson. Although my, my Pinterest account is a lot of things. It's all, you know, it's really, you get to get a slice of my life there. Um, and then I also am on Instagram on a regular basis as Megan A. Williamson. And I even have a Facebook community. So if people want to be learning, I'm running a challenge uh, pretty soon. So if people want to uh, participate in a free challenge to double their Pinterest audience, um, they can get into the Facebook community and we'll be running. We run them pretty regularly because we've just had people go crazy for it. They get amazing results and it's all free. Um, and so, yeah, if people want to join me, I'd love to have them. I think we will definitely see you over in that Facebook group. That sounds amazing. And thank you so much for being here today. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a creative educator who is wanting to start their business online. Maybe you have started your business, but you can't gain any traction because as soon as you take one step forward, there are a million more things you're supposed to be doing like blogging or podcasting, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Maybe you've heard all the marketing podcasts, but there's so much conflicting information. You just want the roadmap to success. I know sometimes it feels like the big name marketing experts don't understand our lives as teachers. You might be worried you're going to spend all your time and money on creating your online business, or maybe you already have spent tons of time and money and no one is going to show up to buy the thing you have to offer. And you're worried about how you're going to stand out among the rest. If you don't want a degree in marketing, but you want to inspire other teachers and you want to stand out among the rest and create a voice and share your thoughts and ideas and bring in some money, but it all feels a little overwhelming. I have good news for you. You are exactly where you need to be. You have everything you need to share your passion and to make some serious cash in the process. I want to introduce my signature training for creative teachers like you, Teacher Hustle University, and you can get your hands on my step-by-step -step guide to designing an online business with a strategic, purposeful marketing plan. 
The Teacher Hustle University framework is your chance to build that solid foundation in marketing for your online business, to make a difference in classrooms around the world, to generate a steady monthly income, and to put it all on autopilot so you can enjoy life's moments. I teach you all of the pieces of the framework for Teacher Hustle University inside my free masterclass, which you can find at alyssamcdonald.com slash masterclass. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Hustle podcast. I love hearing from you. So if you loved this episode, please consider leaving a review. You can also join our Facebook group, Teacher Hustle podcast, to chat about all things business, mindset, and marketing. I also love to chat in the Instagram DMs, so send me a DM or tag me in your post. My name is Teacher by Naptime over there. I'll see you in the next episode.